Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead, a monthly journey into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your co-host. And I'm Kyle Pietrantonio, and today we'll have the pleasure of talking with Mr. Rich Meyer, the president of J. Sarah Catholic High School in San Juan Capistrano, California. Rich, welcome to the program. Thanks, uh, Father Randy, and thanks, Kyle. It's, it's great, to, great to be a party, part of the conversation this morning. Well, Rich, as we get started, we really are glad, that, again, that you are with us today. And could you begin our time together by giving us a little bit about yourself and why Catholic education has become such an important part of your life? Sure. Um, and I suppose it dovetails uh, both the personal and the professional a little bit there in answering that question, Father Randy. Um, I've been out here as the president of J. Sarah for since about 2012, so we're going on eight plus years. Uh, prior to that, I, I ran a, a, an all-boys college prep school in Chicago, where I hail from uh, the Midwest. So I was out there for about six years or so at, a, at again, an all-boys school, um, an independent Catholic school, much like J. Sarah here. And and prior to that, I, I taught high school. I taught high school Spanish for about ten years uh, in both the public school system, and then I taught English abroad in, in Spain for a period of time. And 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 to answer your uh, to answer your question about why Catholic education has, has become important for such an important part of my life, um, you know, my wife it comes back to our family. My wife and I we've been blessed to have um, we've been blessed to have our children. We have eight children, and and our oldest just graduated from college uh, back in back in May from from Notre, University of Notre Dame. And our little guys five and a half going on six here at some, at some point uh, in early 2020. And, and when, when I was teaching high school Spanish in the public school system in, in the suburbs of Chicago, um, knowing that I absolutely loved education, but also sort of seeing the family that God was blessing me with along the way and trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to make this all work? And, and typically when you're trying to figure out how to make this work, your, your thought doesn't go to, hey, how about I go to Catholic education where I'll really be able to support and sustain a large family. Yeah. Uh, but, but thanks be to God, he, he, he provided a bit of a pathway for that to work. So I, I, I made the abrupt transition from, from teaching uh, high school Spanish uh, at the end of, uh, in the early 2000s. And then the, in essence, the next year, jumping into uh, the head, head seat of, of running, a, again, the small independent uh, all boys Catholic school. Uh, in in Chicago, and that was a big transition for me. But sort of launched what I've, I guess, I've been doing now for the last fifteen years or so in terms of being in that that leadership role in Catholic schools, and have really, mm-hmm. really, I think, come to embrace it. As, as as, and I'm sure we all talk about this in Catholic education, but 
uh, as a vocation. I mean, it's a, this isn't just a job, but really right. feel that this is how our Lord has, has in particular called me to serve the greater church, to serve my own family, and ultimately to, to I think, fulfill um, what he's asking me to do with, with the talents that, that, you know, that he's given me here in this world. Rich, I, I know you've spent a number of years uh, in education, a lot of, of which now has been in Catholic school. Uh, during all that time, I'm guessing there's no doubt uh, in your mind that these past nine months uh, have been among the most unique uh, and likely yeah. most challenging of yeah. your professional career from issues ranging from racial tension to a global pandemic to recently a hotly contested uh, election. Um, what has it been like for you in your seat, in your role uh, as a Catholic school leader um, over these last few months? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, the, the, the words flexible and, and, and patience uh, <laughs> have become the, the, the two pillars of, of virtues, right, that, that I think have been really, really important. And maybe this is, this is kind of where, where God is, is looking, up, looking down on me, chucking from above, because with my last name being Meyer, um, I tend to be very German and rigid in my thinking and in my, we you know, we set a plan and we'll execute the plan. And, and boy, these last nine months have been anything but uh, mapping out a plan of action and sticking to it come hell or high water. And so it's been, you know, it's been interesting being in this leadership role, uh, but constantly making decisions that, to be quite honest with you, you know in your heart of hearts could need to change a week from now or two weeks from now or a month from now or two months from now. So I think that's been, I think that's been one of the more challenging aspects of leadership. You know, I think all of us in Catholic education, we're used to dealing with issues of controversy. So um, I, I, was, I was sharing this anecdote with someone the other day, um, you know, Throughout my my tenure, both here in California and then prior in Chicago, um, you know, you always think in the back of your mind, "Well, boy, that was a challenge." Maybe you had a personnel issue, maybe you had a, uh, you know, maybe you had a student issue or a parent family issue that you were dealing with. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Oh, boy, boy, if that made national news, that would be really interesting." <laughs> yeah. But as of you know, as of as of late, there have been a lot of things that are going been happening that you know, from one day to the next, you feel like, boy, this could be national news. And you could have CNN on your front porch asking you why you're making the decisions that you're making. And, um, and so and ultimately, there's been a lot of, uh, boy, there's been a lot of humility, to be honest with you, to be learned over the last nine months um, and recognizing that, um, you know, there's not, there's not a playbook for this. And, and the experience of running Catholic schools has been great. But boy, you take any one of these issues that we're dealing with, whether it's the pandemic or it's the racial tensions that, 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 that really spiraled from the events of the summer um, and certainly had implications here. Uh, for us in California um, and our namesake, our, our school being named after Junipero Serra, um, we've had a whole set of different challenges that we've had right. to kind of work our way through. Uh, in California, we've had wildfires here. We've been in a state that has had more stringent lockdowns than probably any part or, or certainly mo most any part of the country. But you throw all these out together in, in one felt, you know, one big ball, and it's been, it's it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting 2020 for sure. Um, but ultimately, I think being rooted in, in in Catholic education, it's been also helpful to to serve all of these all of these challenges have really served as yet, I, I think platforms for us to speak our message of ultimately a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with God, and, and for us not to despair in about any one of these challenges, because our vision is a supernatural one, right? We, we have the sense of the eternity in the long game, 
and whatever the present challenges are, for whatever the reasons they, they come our way, is, is really our Lord giving us an opportunity to purify ourselves while here on earth. Um, right. And, and so, that, so that's been helpful. Good, good. Well, I, you said you were uh, not originally from California, but from Chicago. What was your upbringing like? So, so Father Andy, so I grew up in a, so I grew up in a, in a, in a small family. Uh, my sister, who's a few years younger than I am, uh, my mom and my dad, uh, mom and dad happily married. Uh, sadly, my dad wound up passing away at a relatively early age in his early 60s um, from uh, early onset Alzheimer's. And, and so right, so, so in about starting in his late 40s, we really experienced um, kind of saw something wasn't quite right with my dad. So that really, I think, shaped my, a lot of my early adulthood uh, mm-hmm. with, my, with my dad, uh, you know, kind of struggling with, with his illness. Um, but I grew up as a product of public schools, which was really interesting. So my, I would say that certainly while I was a cradle Catholic, uh, my, my mom uh, converted to Catholicism when she married my dad. I would say my dad was, a, was probably a cultural Catholic. Um, you know, both my parents, God-fearing people, but I wouldn't say that initially that the, the Catholic faith sort of drove their entire worldview. Um, and as an adult, now looking back, you, you recognize that, boy, your parents, they, they continue to grow and, and evolve and grow in their own relationship with Christ, just as, just as we, I did as a kid and still continue to do it as an adult. Um, but, my, but so for me, we, you know, I grew up in a you know, great intact family and um, where, where the faith was important, but it wasn't, I would say, a pronounced aspect of our family culture growing up. And it wasn't really until I went to college where I where I got involved in our Newman Center um, at St. John's Chapel and University of Illinois, uh, which was wound up being a real blessing. Um, I was very grateful for my parents giving me the opportunity to go to college and and help me through, and and that gave a platform for the for my own faith walk and journey to begin very seriously on my own uh, by being involved with uh, with the Newman Center there on campus. Rich, who were some of the main influences uh, you had in ultimately choosing a career in, in education? Oh, boy. But that's a good question. Um, I would say, so first I would probably say my, my mom. Uh, you know, in fact, I, I you know, it was interesting, Kyle. I, um, when I was, when I was, I, I, so I graduated from, from my bachelor's degree in communications. And what a great degree to get when you have no idea what the heck you want to do with your life. <laughs> yeah. so, so I went into college. I was a broadcast journalism major for a number of years and for, a couple, for the first couple of years because leaving high school, my, my dream was to, to, to play baseball for the Chicago Cubs. And, and that got dashed pretty quickly when I struggled to even make the, uh, the sophomore team uh, in, in high school. So I, so I was like, all right, that's not going to work. And by the time I went to college, I thought I'd be the next maybe play-by-play or, or color guy for the Chicago Cubs. And and then I realized, well, that's actually probably even harder to do than being a baseball player because there's only one or two of those spots. Yeah. So <laughs> by the time I woke up and realized that at the tender age of, I don't know, 19 or 20 or however old I was, um, I wound up getting a degree, a general, more general degree in communications. And, and to, to make a bit of a long story short, um, I went and did some volunteer work at a supplementary education program in the inner city of Chicago um, where we offered after school activities for um, – young black and Hispanic students and their families, and then also had a big summer program. So I worked for them for a year um, as, a, as a, vol- a year long intern, volunteer intern. And then, um, and then wanted want working in sales. So I was in sales for a few years. And, and then for me, there was just, there was something that was missing in terms of a, 
I don't know, it's sort of a deep-seated fit with my own personal temperament and what obviously God, ultimately God was calling me to. And, and so I wound up, uh, wound up being on a sales call at, a, at one of my clients, happened to be a local public school, and walked in and sat down in the waiting room, was waiting to meet with, uh, I don't know if it was the business manager. And I was reading their school newspaper. And their school newspaper, the, the main article was about this young assistant principal that they had just hired. And all about his trajectory and education and son of a gun. If I just didn't keep thinking about that and thinking about that. And within the course of a couple of weeks, I left my sales job, went back to grad school full time um, and wound up getting a, a master's in English education. And so, so you, you, long way to answer the question about who are my mentors. I remember when I was thinking through this and I asked my, I asked my mom and my mom said, Rich, I always knew you were going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And that was for me, from the guy who kind of growing up thought, I don't know what I want to do. I mean, I had these aspirations uh, to play baseball that, that quickly fizzled uh, and justifiably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but, you know, that was very validating. I remember when I kind of told my mom, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And she just, without hesitation, said, I always knew you'd be a teacher. You know, part of me wanted to say, well, why didn't you tell me that, you know, five years ago, right? Maybe it would <laughs> save me a lot of headache and angst. Yeah. Uh, but, my, but my mom was, my mom was, yeah, that, she was, she was, that, that initial affirmation was, was a big influence for me, um, you know, I would say. And then you went uh, overseas to teach for a while. I did. I did. Yeah. I, so I, I, I've always had been a bit of a romantic at heart and had a, maybe even a bit of wanderlust. Um, so, and have not had a tremendous fear of, of risk or adventure, if you will. So um, when, when I finished my master's work and I, I was offered a, a, my first full-time teaching position in the suburbs of Chicago to teach English, it was actually the high school that I did my student teaching at. And um, but I remember it was very vividly. It was, it was the solemnity of our lady. It was January 1st and we were, we were still young at that time. My wife and I, we had our daughter. She was about three, four, our first daughter was about three months old, four months old and sitting in front of us in a pew that morning was a family from South America. I don't remember what country they were from, but they were talking Spanish. And as I was getting my master's in English education, I was bitten a bit by the Spanish bug. So I was taking a lot of undergraduate courses that I could get my hands on and you know, and I, I'm a pretty extroverted person. So I, I tapped on their shoulder and I just started speaking to them in my poorly constructed, uh, written with poor accent, uh, Spanish. And we started chatting and son of a gun, if I didn't go home and I said, yes, I can't, we, if we're going to learn this language, it's not going to come out of a textbook or some undergraduate classes. So we started to look around where I could, where I could move. We can, the family would move to, for, for a longer period of time. And through a connection, wound up uh, getting in touch with a school district in southern Spain, and and wound up getting a teaching job, and and went over to roll roll the dice. We sold our little condo that we had when we got married, sold both of our cars, and threw everything we owned in a, I think four suitcases, and 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 jumped across the the Atlantic, much much to the chagrin of my mother and my father. Who my mom, I remember my mom. She had this great line. She's like, "Rich, people are dying to get into this country." And you're running away from it, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, mom, it's okay. It's okay. Well, we'll figure this out. And but it was a really, it was a very, very formative experience. The our, our time in Spain and, and met a lot of great people. And ultimately, I think I am sitting here um, as a result of some of the experiences that I, you know, they had leading me to Spain and then subsequent to returning. Now, was that a private school over there or a public school or? It was. It was. It was a K twelve. Uh, it was a K twelve school. All boys. Uh, all boys Catholic school. Um, and there, there was a network of these schools um, affiliated with with Opus Dei um, throughout southern Spain. Uh-huh. Um, so I had the chance to chance to kind of dive in with both feet and and a f- quick fun 
funny story. I, you know, my, this tells you how bad my Spanish was at the time. I, I got the contract and all this was, we were going back and forth via limited email and, and a couple of phone conversations, which were challenging because of the time difference. And I got my contract to say, hey, this is great. I'm going to be teaching eighth, ninth, and 10th grade. I knew I wanted to teach high school English and I really, really like that age. It's like eighth grade. I can handle that. It's close enough to freshman and high, freshman, sophomore in high school. And, and so I get there and I, you know, they walk me over to my first class and I, and I wasn't teaching eighth, ninth, and 10th grade, but I was teaching eight, nine, and 10 year olds. No. <laughs> So I, I missed something right? and I'm sure it was on my end. It was, I'm sure they communicate very clearly and my obtuseness, I, I, I completely missed it. And so it's like, okay, lesson number one, right? Ask a lot of questions. So, um, so it was, I'll, I'll admit it was a very challenging year from a guy who really enjoys the high school age to being with third, fourth and fifth graders for a year. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was a lesson in fortitude for, for sure. Rich, did you ever sense that that God was calling you in different directions during your professional um, career in, in in education? Yeah, um, you know, Kyle, that's a that's a really interesting question. I, I, one thing that I've struggled with or been plagued by, or maybe this has been the Holy Spirit whispering in my ear over the last twenty plus years in education, has been. Um, I felt really called and moved by the Holy Spirit to pursue an opportunity to teach abroad. And so we took advantage of that. Um, and when my wife uh, was pregnant with our second while we were living overseas, she felt really strongly that she wanted to come back and, and deliver here stateside. Um, and I tried to convince her that I was pretty sure babies were born in Spain with great frequency, mm-hmm. uh, but that didn't seem to sway her opinion. So, <laughs> so, right. so we wound up coming back to the States. And I and I taught I taught in a in a in a brand new school um, that had just been built for the first couple of years, and I realized that was a great experience because I had a chance to work with a lot of um, I had a chance for a lot of leadership roles early on in my teaching career, being a by the virtue of being in a school with a lot of a lot of people who were there for the first time, um, but I also realized that I had a lot to learn about teaching, and so I I quickly after first couple of years wanted to move into a more established school district. So I, again, I felt really called by the Holy Spirit to take that next step, and I and I moved to a to a, to another public school in the suburbs of Chicago. They've been around for for many many years, and I was the first hire that they'd made in the foreign language department in I don't know something like ten or fifteen years. So it was a really established department as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way, I just I, I kind of found myself constantly being pulled to that next thing whatever that next thing was. Um, I had a great opportunity at the first place I started teaching. Um, yet, I, and I remember when I left, a lot of people looked at me like I was crazy. Like, Rich, this is like, look at all these things we get to do. Like, teachers your age typically don't have these kind of leadership experiences. And, but I really feel, felt really called to take that next step. And it was the same thing. I, I just got tenure, which is sort of the holy grail in the public school system. I just got tenure after my fifth year. Um, but I really felt like our Lord was calling me to to something bigger. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't necessarily know that it was to go and run a school, but, um, but a colleague of mine tapped on my shoulder and he had been running this small all boys college prep school um, for, for, for a number of years and said, Hey, Rich, we're really looking for someone to come in and succeed me who has a lot of professional, a strong professional pedigree in education, but also who's some, a, a person whose faith is the guiding principle of their life. Um, and, and I said, being a risk taker, I was like, sure, let's give it a shot. How hard could it, not how hard could this be? Well, little did I know, right? right. How hard could this be? But ah, this will be fun. Right. And, and I remember, funny story, I remember being in my interview with the board of directors. And I didn't know, I mean, this is, I, I was, I remember I was a classroom teacher. 
And so I chuckle now at the, all of the questions that I didn't know to ask in that interview process. But I remember one of the board, uh, one of the board members who's part of the interview committee. I remember so, this so vividly, he looks at me and he, he, he says, Rich, be honest with me. Why do you want this job? And he's being serious, right? And he was in his head. He's thinking, this is a really hard job, right? Why do you want, why do you want this job? And I remember responding to him. I said, I said, who wouldn't want this job, right? This is like the greatest job ever. Um, ignorant to obviously a lot of the challenges, you know, <laughs> right. that, that exist when you're running a, running a high school, much less a Catholic high school. Um, but so I you know, dove in with, dove in with both feet and w- was there and really blessed for those, those five or six years that I was, was that I was at, uh, that I was at the school in Chicago Northridge prep. And, but then again, I, I felt that next, I felt that next calling Kyle to answer your question about how do I take these experiences now? And is there a, is there a broader, larger platform that I can continue to grow professionally and also bring to bear in a, in a Catholic community? And, um, and, you know, lo and behold, my, I was talking with my wife and, and, and I said, hon, I, I don't know what God is asking of us, but I think it may be time for us to kind of explore what that next step would look like. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, so what are our boundaries? Because mm-hmm. I was ready to move, I was ready to move across the world to maybe start right. part of an international school somewhere in a Spanish speaking country again. And she was, it was unequivocal. Unlike the last time she was like, no, the United States and I'm going to raise the anyone rich, the contiguous United States. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, so I had my boundaries, and 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 what was kind of funny at the end was was we're here, and you mentioned in the intro, uh, Kyle, we're here in San Juan Capistrano, Illinois. And if you take a map of the United States and you put a pin in Chicago, and you put a pin in San Juan Capistrano, this is probably about as far away. Um, you can move from Chicago while staying within the contiguous <laughs> 48 states as you possibly could. So uh, my wife likes to suggest that I, I'm always kind of pushing, pushing the boundaries here, if you will. Um, but yeah, so, so, I mean, that's a long way to answer you know, your question, Kyle. I, I feel like along the way, our, our Lord is just, you know, at the appropriate time, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, I've used you now, but I think that there's another opportunity for you to use the, the gifts that and the, and the experiences that you've, you've gleaned along the way for that next purpose. Um, but I can tell you what's really interesting right now after, after being in at education now for, you know, 20, 20 plus years, 20, 25 years, it's really the first time where I find myself saying, maybe this is it, right? Maybe this is, maybe this is, maybe this is, this is, this is, this is where God is, has called me and this will be my last stop. Right. Who, you know, and who knows? Um, but I don't, I don't have that. I don't have, I have yet for the first eight years, eight plus years now being here at JSTOR, I have not yet had that tapping on the shoulder to say, Hey, there's something next. And I think for right. me, that's, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's, you know, serves as a, you know, maybe a message for others too. It's, it's this, as you kind of get older and, and you move in, you know, you're, you're kind of going along the journey. Um, you know, that sometimes it's, it's, you know, I, I thrive off of the change and the opportunity for new places and new environments. Um, but, you know, kind of doing the ordinary day in, day out and trying to sanctify that. And you don't need some external newness to challenge us as, as faithful Christians to find God exactly where he's called us. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's sort of this next step of the professional journey for me, I think, is, is that, okay, maybe this is where God's calling me to, right. to kind of put my final stake in the ground. Who knows? And in, in this variety that you've lived out over these years, what would you consider to be your biggest setback? And then how did you navigate that? Oh boy, biggest setback. <clears throat> how did I navigate it? 
Give me a second to let me give me a second to ponder there because I can think of several. If I, now I'm going to have to categorize which one is is bigger than bigger than another one. Um, you know, one of the I would say so. Uh, so I'll, I'll share I'll share an example. Er, so early on, when I came to when I came to um, when I came to the well, let me back up. So I so when I when I started at the school Northridge Prep back in Chicago. Um, I mean, there was so much that I didn't know about running a school. Actually, I really knew nothing, actually, if we're going to be honest about running a school. I had a, lot of, I had a lot of teaching experience. I felt like I knew what good teaching looked like, which I think was very helpful. But you think about running a school and all that that encompasses. I mean, you have personnel and HR and facilities and fundraising and admissions. And I mean, oh, yeah. all, <laughs> the list goes on and on. And so, so for, you know, for those five or six years, I had this opportunity to really be immersed because of the small school environment in the in the um in 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 all of the operational aspects of all of these different areas okay so coming to j sarah which is a larger uh, a much larger school environment than the schools at back in chicago to the tune of of a scale of 4x in terms of student population and probably a scale of if I'm doing the quick math on my head, six or seven X in terms of budget um, and probably a four X in terms of employees. Um, it, it might, I would say one of my early setbacks or I would say maybe early learning points, Father Randy, to answer the mm -hmm. question was that if I was going to be successful here at J. Sarah, it was going to require me to do things differently than I did at my former school, which was much smaller and a lot more hands-on right. the, the head, the head role. Um, and I have a, there's a close confidant of mine here at the school. Um, it goes by the, his name's Tim. And I remember early on, he shared with me something. He's a really, really wise guy. And he said, you know, Rich, the things that made you successful that brought you to your role at Chesera likely won't be the things that make you successful here in your new role at Chesera moving forward, right? And kind of what he was saying early was, hey, Maybe at in your former role because of the small school, you could do a lot of things yourself because you had to by virtue of a small staff and smaller budget, et cetera. But coming here to a larger school environment, it's going to be coming upon you to build a team of people that are going to be doing a lot of the executing. Right. Um, and so that that was something that really stuck with me. And I would I would say it really took me probably a, a good a good few years. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm still probably in some ways continuing to work my way through understanding that as a school leader, right? And I think us, depending, all of us, depending on our own temperaments and dispositions, um, you know, maybe tend to lean one way toward the macro, macro spectrum or toward the micro spectrum. But I think that's, that, that was one early important lesson for me that I, that I was grateful for some really good, honest, critical feedback early. Rich, uh, large part of the audience of follow to lead are, are going to be Catholic school uh, educators. Uh, in your opinion, what do you see as the greatest need that Catholic school educators have today? Mm -hmm. um, well, so I'll, so I, th I think there's a very, a very clear need and, you know, and I, and I think that's a deep, deep formation. Yeah. Um, so I'll, you know, one of the one of the one of the challenges I think when you're and and I'm and I'm speaking from a high school perspective. So, um, you know, perhaps this looks differently at different grade levels, um, mm -hmm. but particularly in a high school setting, 
you know, I think it's easy for folks to think, well, yeah, you, you, let's, let's hire the people who are really well formed in our faith and have them teach theology, which, which makes obvious sense. Um, but I think even the, the bigger challenge, because I think that's not, that's not terribly difficult because you can find great, great graduates and others who are passionate about their faith and have a deep understanding of our Catholic faith and want to bring that to bear in a high school teaching setting. I think it's not easy, but it's not insurmountable. Um, but to find those who are really, really well formed in their faith, who, who can bring that to bear in the different disciplines, history and English and math and science, I think that is a, that's a much bigger challenge. And, and so you know, what, what's the biggest challenge facing Catholic education, Catholic school leaders, Catholic educators? I think it's to, the, the importance to recognize that, that our faith cannot be compartmentalized apart from our curriculum that we're imparting to our students. Our, 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 our faith informs the vantage point of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And we can't sort of create a classroom environment that seeks to arbitrarily separate our, our faith from our reason. And, and I think, and it takes really well-formed adults who are grounded as much in their own faith as they, is, as they are in their own subject matter to really come to bring that to bear for the benefit of students um, in the most efficacious way. Um, so I, and again, we're blessed here today. So we've got some really, really terrific teachers across, across all disciplines. And I recognize that for us as a school and for all of, the, all of our Catholic schools, for us to really fully be, I think, the kinds of schools that God has called each of us to be, it's recognizing a personal responsibility to be formed ourselves and our faith, and then to better understand how, what implications that has for us as teaching professionals in a Catholic, in a Catholic school world. I think that's well, well, well stated. Yep. Yeah, Richie. You know, we're in this uh, pandemic, one of the things that I know we're experiencing at our school, maybe you're experiencing it too, is an influx of students from public school uh, arenas, other places where they're not satisfied with the kind of learning that they're getting, especially in the midst of the pandemic, and are seriously looking at at Catholic schools. Um, As as you work with uh, families, Catholic or non-Catholic, that might be interested in coming, say, to Jay Sarah, uh, what do you tell them is the greatest advantage that you see in Catholic education? Hmm. So when we talk to when we talk to families, Fa- Father Randy, I, I think a lot of it. Our, our football coach, um, who our football coach uses this analogy, and I, and I hadn't heard this before, and I, but I really really like this. Um, when he when he'll bring families on. Um, to school, he'll talk about, you know, the journey between 14 to 18 is a really, really short one. And I'll actually kind of map this out on the floor. He'll, he'll, he'll use some sort of two scale representation of a long line on the floor. If he's on the gym floor or something like that, if he's on the football field, he'll take, you know, four yards or whatever and say, if each yard represents a year, this is the time that I have to work with your son in in the case of football. Um, But these four years we're doing it with the mindset of what the next 80 years are going to look like for your son in this particular case, boys. Right. And, and, you know, you look at the football field and you look out another, whatever it is, you know, however many yards kind of down, down, down the, uh, down, down the field. And, and I think for when we talk, when we talk to parents, I think that's a really helpful analogy to help them understand that this is such a small window of time. 
but it is perhaps one of the most important windows of time that, that parents have, and I'll also include myself as that as a parent of, of, of students in, in the Catholic school system, that we as parents of, of adolescents, of, of young adults have to influence what, these next, what the next journey for 60 or 80 years looks like. And that our focus isn't exclusively on it or isn't determined by secular metrics, right? And I tell families, listen, if your goal is to get into a great college, JSTOR is going to help your son or daughter do that. But if that's your only goal, there are other places you can do it, and you can do it a heck of a lot cheaper than JSTOR, <laughs> right? Um, but I'll, you know, often I'll tell families, listen, but if your goal is to, is to help challenge your son or daughter to realize his or her full academic or let's call it intellectual potential, I think JSTOR can be a great, is, is a great place for that. But it's also a great place where your son or your daughter is going to be formed in human virtue that is going to help them to be not successful by worldly terms, but I would use the term happy in life, regardless of, regardless of secular outcomes. Um, because, uh, you know, oftentimes when we have open houses, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask families, you know, what's, what's 10 years from now, what's the most important adjective you would want to use to describe your son or daughter? And we'll see hands go up and, you know, successful and employed, married, you know, you know all these things come up. But every, you know, every once in a while, you'll get the answers that they'll raise their hand, they'll, you know, get and say, happy. Right. And, and that's not in some sort of mamby pamby hallmark card, you know, schmaltzy sense of happiness, but it's happiness that's rooted in a sense of the, an awareness and a confidence in, in one's identity as a son or daughter of God. Um, it's rooted in the fact that, that, that life is going to bring challenge and adversity, um, regardless of one's background, whether it's privileged or not privileged, and that this high school opportunity is 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 a moment in time, a brief moment in time that we have a chance to partner with parents and provide a certain set of experiences that best prepare young men and women for the valleys and the peaks that life is is sure to bring to them, right? Um, and and that tends to that tends to resonate with people. Um, certainly, there are still families that come to the school because we've got a great sports program or we got a great academic program. Um, and that's fine, right? We're willing to, to, to bring those families into the fold um, because I think it's important for us to, what we choose to do, we, we strive to do, we strive to do as best as we can. And that, I would say that's sort of secular excellence. Um, we hope is a magnet for folks to come into the fold so that they can be fully formed. It's almost like the, the dessert attracts them to come, but then you're giving them the meat and the potatoes if they didn't realize that they even wanted it to begin with. Right? That's great, Rich. Uh, well stated. Um, we're coming up on on the close here, uh, Rich. And the adage, the old adage, adage says, "Demographics are destiny." Mm -hmm. And uh, right now, if you look at some of the metrics around the American Catholic Church, they're not painting a particularly hopeful uh, picture. Um, you know, uh, sacraments of initiation um, have been plummeting, and what that translates to us in the field of Catholic education um, mm -hmm. is, is challenging. We're curious as a Catholic school leader, very respected in, in the field, Rich, what counsel and advice might you have for our colleagues in this ministry um, facing this reality? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost is to, is, is to hold out hope. Right. For, I mean, first and foremost, here we are. It's it's um, at least when we're recording this, when you know when it's broadcast. I, I suppose we'll see. Uh, but here we are in Advent, uh, you know, a season a season of hope, and 
and and there have been there have been plenty of times throughout the the, the scope of of history of uh, of mankind over the last two thousand years where where things have looked pretty darn bleak, and mm-hmm. and here within the context of American culture, um, even even if that were to mean that there were a call it a a, a general pruning, if you will, of of some of the branches here on 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 this broader vine or tree of our Catholic faith, um, to not despair over that, to not despair over that either, um, you know, right? That there's, I think, regardless of, and, and it's, it's certainly not to be naive or ignorant of, of the trends, Kyle, the demographic trends, as, as you suggest, but but our Lord has, nevertheless, our Lord has called us here for, for a purpose. And I think for us as Catholic school leaders to remain steadfast and confident in our respective missions, um, I think it's probably the most one of the most important things that we can do right now. I think we've seen, and part of the some of the challenges that we see even in, the, in, in our modern church, um, and we see this certainly reflected. If you harken back to the to the changes in our in our church in the American church, um, post Vatican II, um, when there's a when there's when there's a watering down of of our faith and an effort to bring more folks into the fold, it it does the exact opposite of what the well-intentioned efforts are. Um, so rather than rather than us being afraid to raise the bar and make greater demands and and, and lean, to use the the modern phrase right of lean in to lean in to our Catholicism, um, that's exactly what I think we need to be doing. You know, I I I'm, here we are in the, here I am in the state of California, which uh, by uh, by both culture and by policy, um, in some ways can be very hostile to um, to the kind of the kind of Catholic school that Jay Sarah has been founded to be. Um, yet we have found that by leaning into um, really embracing our Catholic purpose and our Catholic mission um, started by our founders this whatever 17 years ago in 2003, I think we're going to continue to see great fruits from that. Um, because I, I believe that there, there's a silent majority out there in our country that is hungry for, hungry for places where core Judeo-Christian tenets are valued and promoted, esteemed. Um, and whether or not those are Catholic families or not, right, I think that our Catholic schools may, while, while we may serve a, a, a demographic that is less and less Catholic, we can still choose to embrace our Catholicism to the full, right? And, and, by, and, and, and as a consequence of that, maybe in turn, turn a whole generation of, let's call them new Catholic families, right, to set a whole future generation on fire. Right. So who knows? I mean, if you're going to look at dem- demographic studies, I always look like this. And maybe we are in one of these, maybe are in one of these valleys, but maybe it's going to require those of us who are, who have the fortitude, the perseverance, and ultimately the trust that God has put us here for reason to sort of be, be the ones who are stoking the, 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 the embers of the fire such that a generation or 10 years or 15 years from now, when those logs get thrown on, that they're going to burst into a flame of, of, of powerful cultural import. Um, so, so that would be my message, right? Even despite the demographics, we're still here, right? We've got a, we've got a, we have a purpose to fulfill, um, a vision and a mission to live and to support, and and ultimately via our own individual, uh, individual relations with God and our own prayer life to to double down on that, right? To to double down on personal holiness, um, and professional formation, and let these two things let our Lord work between these two areas of how am I being personally the best son of God that I can and how professionally am I executing the, the, the very important role that God has called me to. And I think this is applicable for everyone, right? 
whether you're the president or the head of a Catholic school or you're teaching science or you're a basketball coach or all of us have a really important role to play in this formative experience of, uh, uh, for these young men and women in Catholic schools. Rich, this has been really great. I appreciate so much all that you uh, shared today. And we're just delighted that uh, you could be with us on one of these early editions of uh, Follow to Lead. And uh, as we close, one of the things, obviously, Follow to Lead is uh, a ministry of Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. Uh, can you just share just briefly the influence and the uh, what being a part of DIA, you're a founding member, uh, what this means to you and, and what this collaborative is doing for you personally and for the school? Absolutely. Uh, um, there's, but there's a lot there to unpack. So I'll, I'll try, I'll try to, I'll just try to, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll skip, I'll skip a rock across the, uh, the surface of, uh, of the ocean there. Um, the, the, you know, about Kyle, I'm thinking this is probably good. Now we're up on six, seven years ago, maybe um, where, where I had a chance to, to befriend Kyle and we, we've gotten to know each other and, and, and because of the good founding work of, of Father Paul Koska, who's the chaplain for our Duke and Alton Schools Collaborative, because the initial vision that he had, um, we found ourselves together and, and having some conversations a number of years back in, in Denver, Colorado, dreaming about what, what does this look like? What, what, and we didn't even have a name for it at the time. But what we knew was that there are so many schools that have a deep driving passion to live fully the authentic Catholic mission that's been entrusted to them. But it can be a lonely place. Um, I, think, I think a lot of us who find themselves in these kinds of schools can feel at times even a bit isolated. Isolated even sometimes from our Catholic peer schools, geographic peer schools. Right. And, and, I, and what we discovered I think early on was a real need for creating a, creating a network or an environment whereby, whereby across the country schools can start to benefit from the best practices of other schools. And you know, I think some of the early feedback we heard from some of our first conferences was just that from participants saying, wow, I'm not alone. It's so good to know that there are other schools out there that are trying to do what we're trying to do. And that, 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 that sort of boundless geographic camaraderie, I think has been uh, what's helped fueled and inspired me along the way in, in, in my role. And and just in the benefit of having developed a close relationship with the other founding school heads who, who are part of DIA, um, and by extension, others who have attended conferences, um, which is also then in turn informed being able to connect other people in the school with other folks and peers of, of, of my own colleagues here and other schools across, across the country as well, which has been this sort of exactly what we were hoping, right? This sort of organic um, grassroots movement to connect like-minded Catholic educators at all different levels of the school um, with and from other schools who share a similar vision, mission, and purpose. Um, so hands down, I, I think that's what's been exciting. And, and I think what's exciting for me now is to watch DIA continue to take this next evolution of being a thought leader amongst the sphere of Catholic, of Catholic school leaders and educators. Um, I think this is something that people are really, really hungry for. Um, and, and, and God willing, when we get on the other side of this pandemic and we find ourselves in, in Nashville and, and next fall in 2021, uh, convening, hope, again, hopefully in person, I'm excited to see a lot of the fruits of, of the past year of DIA taking that next step forward in its, in its natural evolution as, 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 a, as an organization. Thank you, Rich. Uh, it was great to have you on uh, today and sharing uh, your, your thoughts and, and your background and, and uh, 
praise God. You've, you've uh, discerned uh, God's will in your life. You've, you've um, made a monumental impact on many young people uh, at J. Sarah and, and, and Northridge Prep and schools uh, before then. So uh, awesome, awesome yeah. stuff. Thanks, Kyle. And th- th- I just want to thank you both for, for inviting me to come and be part of the conversation here this morning. And, and Kyle, for the, for the, for the leadership you're, you're bringing to the whole DIA, or, DIA Schools Collaborative and, and Father Randy and your role over at St. Michael. It's great, to, it's, 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 it's great to be associated and a privilege to know both of you. Well, thanks, thank you. Rick. God bless you, Rich, again, and thanks for being with us. All right, guys. Have a great day. Bye now. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.